Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I want to welcome you to Bulletproof Armed for the Crosshairs of Life. This series is all about helping you put all of God's armor on. He gave you the supernatural armor so you can withstand all the events that this life and our enemy are going to throw at us. Now, I remember my salvation when I accepted Christ. That was 19 years of age. Now, before I accepted Christ, I was sexually active and into pornography and all those things. And then I accept Christ at 19, and the very next day, I didn't know one scripture. I didn't hear one preacher preach. I didn't read it in the Bible, guys. But the next day, I knew it was wrong to be sexually active, have sex outside of marriage. I knew pornography was wrong. And, and I had that kind of salvation experience. And I went on what I call my six-month honeymoon with Jesus. We had a six-month honeymoon. It was a lot of fun. And uh, just, I was just in love with my Savior and thankful for my Savior. And right around after six months, I started to be tempted and have these thoughts come in me to look at pornography and I started to have temptation to call some old girlfriends and I started to have temptation to fantasize and think about wrong thoughts and I want to tell you what happened I was mortified then after being mortified I came to this place to where I was absolutely disgusted with myself then I felt like maybe I really didn't have a salvation experience. Maybe, I, maybe when I prayed and accepted Jesus, it didn't work, or maybe I did something wrong, or maybe God was upset with me, and I could not, could not fight those things off. And I ended up falling back into some of those things. And then I felt even worse. And I didn't understand what we're going to talk about today. I want you to walk out of here today never forgetting this. You can withstand when you understand where you stand. <laughs> and I didn't understand where I stood. <laughs> and I couldn't withstand. And it's not just a, a sin like sexual sin. It can be any kind of attack, any kind of temptation for anything. You and I can withstand when we understand where we stand. And I did not have a clue where I stood. And I look at that first six months honeymoon. Uh, I, I was just, you know, so, so blown away by meeting Jesus and so excited about God and the things of God. But eventually I had to go back into real life. And, and I had six months to put on some armor. I didn't put it on. So today we're going to talk about that piece of armor that will help you understand where you stand so that you can withstand. And that piece of armor is found in Ephesians chapter 6. All of the armor is found in verses 10 through 18. But today we're interested in just one, one piece. And, and let's read the scripture, Ephesians 6, 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. God gave us armored shoes, and they're made up of a substance called the gospel. And these shoes enable us to withstand because when they're on, we understand where we stand. And they're all about you and I having this foundation built in our life. So remember what I shared with you in last week's message. Paul was comparing our God armor that makes us bulletproof 
to the armor of a Roman soldier. At the time, he was in prison, so he's seen these Roman soldiers come in and out. They're guarding him. But he also was a Roman citizen, so he, he saw these Roman soldiers his entire life. And God gave him this understanding of how to compare our spiritual armor with their armor. And so he saw their shoes. He knew what their shoes were like. So let, let me just help you understand, just with, with some history, some facts. Uh, here's their appearance. Here's what they look like. And you can see uh, from these pictures exactly what they look like. They, they, they had two pieces, and uh, one was a greave, the other was the actual shoe. The greave was made up of bronze or brass. It was tubular in shape, as you can see. Started at the top of the knee, went all the way down to the top of the foot. And we'll talk about its purpose as we progress. The shoe was made of uh, multiple materials. The top was durable leather with a tat which attached to the bottom. The top held, held the shoe on the foot. Then the bottom was bronze or brass. And I like this, with one to three inch metal spikes coming out. When a Roman soldier was clad for battle, he put on a pair of shoes that had spikes. And sometimes they were one to three inches. And, and, and that's important for us to have an image of because this image will help you understand your spiritual shoes. Well, let's talk about their purpose. It's, it's pretty obvious. The soldier's shoes were designed for stable footing. Uh, the greed protected them from leg blows from their enemy's sword or whatever else the enemy might be swinging. And if anyone here has ever been hit or kicked in their shin, that can take you down. I mean, that can knock you down. And they wanted to make sure when they were in battle that a leg blow in that area would not take them out of the fight. But, but then the shoes with their spikes gave them a firm footing when swinging their swords in battle. And I think most of us in this room, in one way or another, understand shoes and their importance. If you're a golfer, you know how important the right shoes are to golf. And if you don't have the right shoes on, it can mess your swing up. It can take power away from your swing. For those of you that played football or sports, you know how important shoes are in football. I played uh, high school football for JFK, John F. Kennedy, uh, for three years, blew out my knee last year at my junior game, finished my senior year up at Hallam, not playing football. So um, I remember when we played on grass fields, we had a certain spike shoe, but if it was rainy and wet, they gave us a different, bigger spike shoe. I remember playing Akron St. Vincent home at their, their stadium. We played at the Akron Rubber Bowl, and for a kid in high school, what a thrill to play on artificial turf back then. We're talking the 70s. I was so thrilled. Basically wore tennis shoes for that, and, and the surface depend, you know, determined what kind of shoes that you wear. Shoes give you a firm foundation. Now, most of you know I, I, I have a motorcycle. This was my second summer uh, with it, and this past uh, just this past year, one Sunday I went out riding and ended up in, in a rainstorm, came home soaked, and my boots were soaked. So the next day, I wanted to ride my bike to the office, a beautiful day, but my boots were soaked, so I put on this pair of uh, steel-toed still, still work boots, because on a bike you want some kind of boot because that tailpipe gets so hot, and you want to protect your feet in case you get into some type of accident. And so I put those shoes on, and, and I went down Howland Springs Road. Uh, this was going down today with the ice. And at the bottom, there's always a few stones on my right side. And they never bother me. I stopped my bike. I put my feet down. And, and on this right foot, 
those stones were there, and I was amazed at what happened. Thankfully, there were no stones where my left foot sat down. But as soon as I hit those stones, my foot just went out from under me, slipped, and those stones just made it slip out. And all of a sudden, I'm holding the bike like this, and, and uh, I thought it was going to drop. And if you own a bike, you know if it drops, it's going to scratch it. But then I would have to have another person help me get it back up. I would block traffic. I would make a fool of myself. Everything that you can imagine. And thankfully, I held it up, got that foot back down, and I, I learned something that I'll never forget. When you ride a motorcycle, you have to have the right kind of shoes. And so I brought one of my boots. This is my Harley boot. And this is what was all wet. But I want you to just, the camera, these treads are amazing. My work boot di didn't have treads like this. And when I put my feet down on the stones with this boot, I didn't slide. But when I did it with the, the boot that was a work boot, my foot slid out. And that's what this piece of armor is all about, guys. This piece of armor gives you and I what we call a firm footing. So that being said, let's read our scripture again. Ephesians 6, verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So the substance that makes up our shoes is the gospel of peace. Now, because it's the gospel of peace, here's what's happened over the years. Most people, if they teach the armor, they do it in one lesson, and they don't really do their homework. And when they get to this one, here's what they say. Your gospel shoes are you going out and telling someone about Jesus. And, and that's not what this is about. It wouldn't be on your feet. If you're going to tell somebody about Jesus, it's going to come out of your mouth. It's more like your sword, and it's the word of God coming out of your mouth. But many people mess it up. And so that's why I'll take some time today and try to help you understand it. So I want to look at a few key words that will bring that understanding. And the first one is just a simple word, uh, the phrase feet fitted. It's translated from the, the Greek word hupideo, which you'll never have to say or know again. And uh, here's what it means. It means to bind around, that is to put on. Remember what we learned in, in our last lesson uh, about putting the Bible inside of us? meditating on it, writing it on our hearts. That's how every piece of armor is put on. And when you take the gospel, the way you put it on is by meditating on certain scriptures, and then those scriptures become your foundation. Uh, if you understand the gospel of peace, it becomes the foundation that you stand on. And what's so cool about it, these scriptures are so cool, not only are they your foundation, but they'll, they'll be a sword someday, and they'll be a shield someday if you begin to understand them. So I'll show you what those, some of those scriptures are today. But this next word is so important, and I'm going to take a little time. Again, you don't have to remember any of these words or anything. But readiness comes from the Greek word hitomasia, and, and here's what it means. Uh, this is the only place, first of all, it's used in the Bible, which is important. That means that I can't look any, in any other New Testament scripture I, I can't see how it's used somewhere else, which be, can be very difficult. Now I can't put it in another context. It's only used one time in the whole Bible. So you look at the Greek scholars, you ask them, hey, what do you have to say about this? So Vines and Kenneth Weiss Dictionary, they say this, it means a firm foundation. So they, they translated it readiness, but it literally means a firm foundation. And wouldn't shoes give you a firm foundation? We just talked about that. But listen to what Marvin Vincent Word Study says. He says it can be translated 
as readiness, but in classical Greek it was used in the sense of being established or on a firm foundation. And I like that. Classical Greek is the Greek of the day. So what he did is he looked at how it was used in, in secular writings, and that helped him understand. This is how they use this word. So the reason I share it is to make sure you know I did my homework. I know most of you saying, Pastor Joe, I, I don't need to necessarily know this. Here's what you want to walk out of here knowing. You can withstand when you understand where you stand. But I want to make sure you know uh, the homework was done. So I'm working on my own translation, and this is how this verse is translated in my own translation. I only have three verses translated. Here it goes, Ephesians 6.15. And, and with your feet fitted with the firm foundation that comes from the gospel of peace. And this, this is going to give you that foundation. So let's make sure everybody here knows what the gospel is. That's the substance. Really simple. 1 Corinthians 15, 1, verse 2. It says, Now, brethren, or brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. And he's telling them, keep believing. Keep believing Jesus is the Christ, and so on. Listen to verses 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed to you as first importance. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I like to say it this way. The gospel is everything that has to do with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel has to do with everything Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And when you and I understand what he did for us, there was an incredible rescue that took place. There's incredible redemption. Uh, there's incredible victory. And you and I have to understand what was done in order to have our shoes on. And, and I'll help you see that today as we progress. But here's my umbrella scripture for what Jesus did for us. Are you ready? Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. And they read like this. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, the non-Jews who accept him, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, the Jews, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now, verse 14 is a series in and of itself, but let's just take a look at verse 13. I read it for context. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. This is referring to the law of Moses, Old Testament, and if they didn't do what God asked them to do, curses would come on them. L listen to Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. If you want to read this later, and you have to remember when you read it, I'm redeemed from this. Uh, Jesus has rescued me from this. This curse has no right whatsoever coming into my life or your life if you're a Christian. But verses 1 through 14 are the blessings of the law. And you and I are not under the blessings of the law, although we have all of them in our life because they came by works. We're under the blessings of Abraham, which come by faith. The blessings of Abraham all have all the blessings of the law, but even more than that. And then verses 16 to 68, these are all the curses. And I'm going to just read a few key verses 
I want to help you understand what they are. But Jesus has rescued us from these curses. And this is important. This is going to help some of you. Uh, it will change your life right now. You ready? The curse came when they didn't obey or do what they were supposed to do. And guess what? As a Christian, even if you don't obey, God's not going to bring bad things into your life. You might say, how do you know that? Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law. So even if you're not perfect, God isn't bringing bad things into your life. But bad things are coming in your life. We know why they come. We have an enemy. We live on a cursed earth. We live with imperfect people. We know why bad things come, but God's not bringing those bad things into your life. He redeemed you from these terrible things. He may not be pleased if I live a, live a bad life as a Christian, but he's not punishing me by bringing bad things into my life, and he's not punishing you by bringing bad things into your life. You might say, how do you know that? Galatians 3, 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. The curse came when we were disobedient. Even if you're disobedient, God's not going to punish you or let these things come into your life, and they're not going to hunt you down, and they're not going to jump on your back. And if they're in your life, and you know that it's not God, all of a sudden your footing has become more firm because now you know God's not letting this happen and you begin to understand and your shoes begin to be put on. So many Christians just don't know what's God, what's the devil, who's doing this, and you have to know where this baby's coming from because if it's God, should we stop it? If God's doing this, should I fight it? If it's God, I should leave it alone. But it's not God. You've been redeemed. From the curse of the law. Here, here's the threefold curse Jesus freed us from. Defeat and bondage. I like this one. Uh, and, and, and this is important. And I put a few categories under this. There's so many. One could be fear, uh, bondage to fear, or sin, bondage to sin, uh, or any other thing that can defeat or place us in bondage, guys. You have been redeemed from defeat and bondage. And even if you lose, you have a right to get right back up and start going because you're redeemed. You are not meant to be a cap captive. You're not meant to have chains around you. You have been freed by Jesus himself. Well, here's the second curse of the law, sickness. The third curse of the law is poverty. And these are curses. If they did something wrong, these things would chase them down. So let's read some scripture. Let's talk first about defeat and bondage. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 25. The Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. You will attack your enemies from one direction, but you will scatter from them in seven. You will be an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Verse 33, a foreign nation you have never heard about will eat the crops you worked so hard to grow. You will suffer under constant oppression and harsh treatment. See how I underlined that? Constant oppression and harsh treatment. That means you're in chains. Now, I realize this is a natural enemy. I understand that. And today, our enemy is what? Not flesh and blood, but our enemy is, is, is the devil and, and all of his helpers. And when you're redeemed from the curse of the law, that means you're redeemed from being defeated. You're redeemed from being under constant oppression and heart treat, harsh treatment. God created you to win. God created you to overcome. God created you to withstand. And if you don't understand you were created to overcome and stand, you'll never swing your sword. When those thoughts were coming at me, I had no idea that, that I was freed from those thoughts. So I, I thought I, I'd take a look at just the area of sin, uh, and it could be any kind of sin or any kind of temptation, but take a look at these, these two verses. And, and, and by the way, these, the, if, these are meditation verses. If you meditate on these, you'll, you'll begin to build your spikes for your shoes. Uh, Romans 6, verse 1, 
Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Boy, I wish I had that spike when I was being tempted as a new Christian. I and you, if we accepted Christ, we have died to sin. That's important for you to know. That means you have the power to resist sin. Listen to Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. We know that our old self, our sinful selves, were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, listen to this, we were set free from the power of sin. I wish I knew that. I wish I understood that. Back when I was a young Christian, these are spikes, baby. And when you begin to meditate on this and write it on your heart, temptation's going to come and you're going to just, you're going to have a different attitude with it. You're, you're not going to be the victim. You're going to be the victor. And you're going to look at that temptation and say, you know what? I am holy and pure and you have no right in my life. And you're going to begin to speak to that baby and you're going to see things happen. But you can't do it till the shoes are on. This is how the shoes Come on. I wrote this. See, see if it blesses you. If not, you can throw it out. Here, here's what I wrote. Uh, you have the right to win every battle with sin every time. If you should lose a battle with sin, you have the right to rise up out of the defeat or bondage of sin every time. God created you to overcome and be victorious. Now, let's stop for a moment. You can withstand when you understand where you stand. These shoes are really important. And this is something you want to you write on your heart. You want to begin to memorize some of these scriptures. And remember, you don't have to do it in a week. I told you, if you did one scripture, it took two weeks on a scripture, and you did that for an entire year, you'd have 25 scriptures memorized and in your heart. And it will give your busy mind something to do so you don't worry when you watch the news. Now, now. Let's talk about the fact we're freed from sickness. Deuteronomy 28, verses 59 through 61 say this, Then the Lord will overwhelm you and your children with indescribable plagues. These plagues will be intense and without relief, making you miserable and unbearably sick. He will afflict you with all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and you will have no relief. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague there is, even those not mentioned in the book, uh, this book of instruction, until you are destroyed. Now, there were tons of these I could read. It listed all kinds of diseases that you and I would be familiar with. But I thought, if I just read this, I wouldn't take as much time. And you can read this later. But verse 61, again, every sickness and plague there is, even those not mentioned in this book of instruction. I like that because what God's saying is you name a plague, you name a sickness, you name a, a new strain that somebody figures out, you name whatever you might name, and remember what this is all about? You're redeemed from it. And Jesus is saying you're redeemed from this curse. And that's why I get so mad when someone says, I think God brought this sickness on me to teach me something. Well, why would he bring something on you that Jesus redeemed you from? You know, the curse came as a, as a result of disobedience. God knows why the curse of the law came, and, and he has redeemed you from the curse. So even when you're not obedient, it's not God bringing this garbage into your life. And once you know that, You've already, you've got a one-inch spike coming out right now. We, we want to turn it into a three-inch spike. So I want to show you, these are two scriptures you want to memorize. First one's out of the Hebrew Bible. And the reason I read it out of the Hebrew Bible is our Old Testament is the Hebrew Bible. And the Hebrews know how to, 
they know how to translate Hebrew words. So I thought I'd read it out of their Bible. And here's how it goes. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely our diseases Jesus did bear, and our pains he carried, whereas we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our welfare was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. That's powerful. This is a picture of Jesus suffering on the cross. And, 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 and I love what it says at the latter part of verse 4. It says, whereas we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. When he went through all of that Calvary that he went through, uh, all the people standing around said, God must be punishing him because he said he was the son of God. And humanity thought God was punishing him. But then verse 5 says, no, 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 no. God uh, uh, wounded him because of our transgressions. He, he took our place. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our welfare was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. And then notice verse 4 at the beginning. Surely our diseases he did bear, and our pains he carried. Now when you begin to meditate on this, and you begin to understand it, the spike's getting bigger. So what does that mean? Well, the next time sickness comes at you, or for those of you that are dealing with problems physically, you can stand your ground knowing God wants to answer my prayers. God wants to get involved. And that doesn't mean you don't use modern medicine. It doesn't mean you don't go to doctors. I recommend you, use, you take your medicine, go to doctors. But at the same time, begin to release your sword. I'll show you how to do that. Put up your shield. Show you how to do that as we progress in this series. And and. Then baby, swing your sword and pray and release God and let him come in and let him begin to do what he's able to do. But if you don't understand this, you'll say, now God, if it's your will to heal me, and God, you know what God's going to say? Excuse me. My son bore your sickness, your disease, and all your pains. He took them, and by his stripes you were healed. And I know that's difficult for us to translate sometimes. One of the most, I'll tell you, be just be transparent here for a moment. The most difficult type of church to pastor is the church where you preach what I'm just preaching. And here's why. When somebody gets sick, when somebody dies, sometimes people just look at you and say, why did this happen? And here's what I say. Hey, the best batters in National Football League, they're batting 300. That means they hit the ball three out of 10 times. That means they missed the ball seven out of 10 times. And you know what? The Bible doesn't change when something happens in our life that's contrary to the Bible. The Bible stays the same. That's where that foundation comes in. And here's how I look at it. Let's just get God as involved as we can. And if we have a failure, let's just keep getting God as involved as we can. Because no matter what, when you get God involved, when you bring him onto the scene, it becomes supernatural. And you are able to exceed what anybody without God can exceed. No matter what it is, you can do all your treatments. Somebody else can do all their treatments. You'll come out better because you prayed and you got God involved. And the reason we're able to do this is because he bore our sickness and our disease. When you understand this, your spike's in, baby. And, and you're looking at sickness and you're like, well, I know you're here. I know you're real. I know there's viruses and I know all the body's weak but I'm going to bring God on the scene because I know something that's a spike. I have a firm foundation. By his stripes I was healed. He bore my sickness. He carried my diseases. Listen to the New Testament, 1 Peter 2.24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Now you might be sitting here saying, Pastor Joe, you don't understand what I've been going through 
and you don't understand how difficult this is, and, and I want to let you know I'm on your side. God's on your side. But this becomes easy if you take simple scriptures and you just meditate on them. And when, when they get in here, they start to turn the lights on and, and they start to help you understand things. And, and you'll be a different person if you meditate and take it from the written page and put it on here. So here, just a couple more scriptures. And, and now let's talk about poverty. This is a good one. And, and, and let's read the curse. Deuteronomy 28, verse 28. You will plant much, but harvest little, little agricultural society. For locusts will eat your crops. You will plant vineyards and care for them, but you will not drink the wine or eat the grapes. For worms will destroy the vines. You will grow olive trees throughout your land, but you will never use the olive oil, for the fruit will drop before it ripens. Swarms of insects will destroy your trees and your crops. Can, can you see that their finances are messed up? The curse messed up their finances. Now, verse 43 says this, The foreigners living among you will become stronger and stronger while you become weaker and weaker. They will lend money to you, but you will not lend money to them. They will be the head and you will be the tail. Verse 48, near the middle, You will be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking everything. I want to ask you a question. Are you excited you're redeemed from the curse of the law? Yeah, so God's not bringing poverty into your life, and that's important to understand. And I wanted to throw this in. I, th I think it's an important. Uh, my brother Jim, years ago, he sold this. He had a little side business. He sold it. But uh, he, he did over 300 people's taxes at the end of the year. And I remember one year he said, Joe, he said, I want to tell you something. I was teaching on finances, and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I do taxes for people that make 40000 a year, and they have zero debt, and they're saving money every year. He said, I do taxes for people that make $150,000 a year. He said, they have no savings, and they're in debt. And, and, and the lights went on in me, and here's, here's what I understood. We can spend whatever we make. <laughs> and, and so it's important for us to learn to be good stewards and to budget. And all you have to do is look at movie stars who made hundreds of millions, they don't have a penny. Sports stars that have made hundreds of millions, they don't have a penny. We can spend anything we make. And that doesn't mean God doesn't want to bless us and, and give us more. But I want to highly recommend if you're in this room and you have trouble budgeting your money, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, next time we do it, it's a life changer. Uh, Gina and I wanted all of our young staff to go through it, so we sat in there with them. And I want to tell you, it blessed the socks off of me at 53 going through that course. And I love the thing Dave says. He says, you want to tell your money where to go. And uh, I like that. All of us want to tell somebody where to go. We're allowed to tell our money where to go, and that's awesome. And uh, so you'll love it. It's fantastic. Now, that's not to change what I'm about to teach. We're redeemed from the curse of poverty, but I'm encouraging you to also become a good steward because that will drop the blessings of God into your life at a higher level. And I'm going to read one more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. This is in the middle of a financial chapter, and it says this. This is a spike. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And every word in here, poor, rich, they're all financial terms. Some people would read it and say this is spiritual, but listen to what the word rich means. It's, it's an interesting uh, word. It's ploteo, and it means this. Uh, wealthy, abounding in material resources. Figuratively, it would be abounding or abundantly supplied. I like that. And, and this is just like by a stripes you were healed, and this is what it's saying. If you're a child of God, 
Don't say that you're doomed to poverty because you're, the po curse of poverty is broken in your life. Don't let this world, don't let your, your li the life you live, don't, don't let your culture you grew up in tell you that you're doomed to be uh, uh, poor, that you can't have a good job, that you can't be blessed. I have watched people that have gotten a hold of this that had no education, that have become very wealthy people. And this isn't saying all of us can become a millionaire, but it's saying God wants to bless our lives above our ability. But we have to, we have to understand the gospel. The gospel becomes this incredible foundation. So then you can begin to pray and say, Lord, I need a better job. And you can believe that he wants to get you a better job because you know now you're redeemed from the curse of poverty and you know that he became poor so that you might prosper. And when you know that, you begin to believe God and expect God to do incredible things. And then when bad news comes to you, you're standing there and you say, you know what, I know God didn't bring this into my life and I know I'm redeemed from this garbage. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get God involved. And all of a sudden your foundations for him, you can take a swing and knock it out of the park. You can overcome. Am I making any sense today? Guys, this is exciting. And I want to ask you a question. How many of us are excited we're redeemed from the curse of the law? Can, can we just give a little clap offering? Oh, yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about our redemption. You can withstand when you know where you stand. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray, guys. Can we look up to heaven? Father, I thank you for every person in this room. For some, I, I, just, I just added a little layer on their armor that already existed. And for others, man, I put down the first layer for them. And Father, there are some here that it's like, wow, Pastor Joe, this seems like it's so hard to get a hold of. And for those, I ask you to help them understand how all of this is one day at a time, one scripture a week, one scripture every two weeks, and how everything changes when they take it off the page and put it in their heart. And Father, for those of us that know these things, I thank you that we can bring it back up and chew on it by meditating, and we can strengthen our armor and we can make it thicker and stronger and grow our spikes bigger because we're in a battle. And I thank you that you've allowed us to be bulletproof. Bless every person in this room. Open up our understanding. Change us forever because we were here today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians are making their commitment to God. Maybe you walked in here and you weren't sure of your eternity. I want to give you a chance to do what I did when I was 19. It changed my life forever. I want to give you a chance to give your heart to Jesus. You know, Jesus said this. It's, it's profound. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God unless they go through me, Jesus. He said, I'm the door. He said this, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. You heard the good news today. Jesus died for our sins and, and he redeemed us and set us free from sin. That's all we're interested in right now. And if you're here and you can't remember a day where you gave your heart to Jesus and you received him as Savior, I want to give you a chance to do that today. This is a day that will change your life forever. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, I'm ready to pray, would you pray with me? Everybody else in the room, would you help them pray? Those of us that have prayed and given our hearts to Jesus, just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, 
I believe what the Bible says about you. I receive you as Savior, and I make you Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.